Our job as worship leaders is simply to deliver our Messiah to them and then to disappear. What I want so desperately is for people to show up and leave church going, wow, what a great God. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 11 of the Loop Community Podcast. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of Loop Community, and I'm here with Derek. How's it going? Hey, Derek. How's it going? Good. You having a good day today? I am. So we're here in the Loop Community office in Chicago, and uh, it's been a very cold week. Very cold. Chicago has seen temperatures down to like minus 20. Yes. Which is kind of crazy. It's absolutely painful to be outside. Well, wherever you guys are listening from, I hope that your 2018 is off to an excellent start. Yes. This is my favorite time of year because you'd kind of get a reset. Even though what's funny is that, it, that, you know, it's not like it's a new, I mean, it's just a normal day. Right. But the, I think the concept of kind of starting a new year gives you a, an opportunity just to kind of mentally reset and be like, yeah, okay, for sure. I'm going to like develop new habits. I'm going to change my work patterns. I'm going to start new, new projects. And so I, this is my favorite time of year. And we have a great podcast to start off this year. Yeah, we do. And a great interview with Chad Negley, who's a local worship leader and a pastor at a church here in Chicago, actually, called Christ Church of Oak Brook. And uh, it's, an, it's an awesome church. Um, my in-laws actually go to this church, which is how I even know about it. Mm-hmm. And I've led worship there a few times. Just a really, as I've gotten to know all the staff there and the pastors there, they're just really solid people. They have great preaching and great worship. But I think most of all, what has really stood out to me about this church is they're they're just so friendly and warm. You never have this feeling of like, these people are unapproachable or everybody's like too cool for me or, right. you know what I mean? Like it's this like family feel, like immediately you just feel like you could have Thanksgiving dinner at someone's house, you know, and, right. and, and it'd be okay with them. And uh, I think that's awesome. That's a great thing for a church i feel like so yeah definitely i met chad when he came to the office um and just for a few minutes and you could tell the genuineness like he cared he wanted to know you even though it's just saying hi yeah um that's great in a church i love when church is a family more than like oh here we go to church it's a place where you want to be and that's a lot about the people right it makes a big difference for sure so chad's a great worship leader um, but as I've gotten to know Chad, I've also realized that Chad is just an amazing pastor. Like he has just a pastor's heart and he has so many good nuggets um, to share um, about leading worship. And just he has such a great way of a way to encourage worship leaders and what they're doing and kind of recenter the focus on what matters and why we're doing what we're doing. And so I'm, I'm excited about this interview. I think it's going to be really helpful for all of our listeners. So yeah. Let's listen. Without further ado, here's Chad Nick. Chad, thanks for joining us on the Loop Community Glad Podcast. Good to see you. Thanks. And it wasn't long ago that I saw you because no, yesterday <laughs> we led worship together. That's right. We did. So, Chad is the, uh, what would you call yourself? What's your title? 
the official title is Contemporary Worship Director. Okay. So he's like overall the worship at a church here in Chicago called Christ Church yep. of Oak Brook. And uh, I've been leading there occasionally. And yep. uh, it's been really good to just kind of join you guys and just be worshiping with your church. It's, it's an awesome, awesome place. Great things going on there. Hey, and, man. You know, Chad and I have been, you know, friends for probably a year, maybe two years now, written some songs together. But what I've really appreciated about Chad is um, his just heart to pastor worship leaders. And about a month ago, you you kind of brought, you know, all the worship leaders from Christchurch together yep. at a coffee shop. Yeah. You know, there were probably like six or eight of us. I don't yep. know. Something like that, yeah. You gathered us together and you were you know, going to kind of do this devotional, I guess, with us, but talking with us about, I remember you teed it off by saying, we want to make sure that you're flourishing as a worship leader. And what are the things that we need to do to help you flourish as a worship leader? And I thought that was really cool that like, there was a focus on, I don't know, just like building into the people who are leading your church. Yeah. Building into your volunteers. Yeah. Building into the people who are leading your worship services. Yes. Of like, okay, this is an important thing to be talking about. Mm -hmm. And you started off by having us all take out a piece of paper and write down 10 things that are on our minds. Because um, you were talking about this idea of like, what is, what's filling your mind? Like what is emotionally draining you right now? Yes. Or I don't even know if that's the word you used, emotionally draining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just made that <clears throat> up. But what was that exercise really about? Yeah, it's basically taking the, you know, eight or 10 things that are on your mind and saying, this is what I'm spending the most of my time thinking about. And the idea was, is to connect what you're thinking about with what you're feeling about them. Because I think there's times when we spend a lot of time thinking about all the things happening in our life and we're completely um, unaware of what those things are doing to us emotionally. Right. So if I can, if I could take us to a place where we could see what's driving us emotionally, then we could start to get a better sense of how we're really doing. Right. Because all those things are actually taking some sort of brain power or emotional power, you know, it's taking from something else, like yes. these things that are on your mind. And so I think it was a, it was just a really cool exercise to kind of like look and see like, wow, there's actually a lot of stuff I'm thinking about or really yeah. concerned about. Yes. But you kind of brought it to this idea of like, okay, these things are maybe affecting your spiritual journey and like, or your, how you're leading worship. Yeah, they really are. They're, they're like, um, it's like having a cup and having a hole in the bottom of your cup. And mm -hmm. it's constantly there that sometimes we have this impression that we could fill the bottom of the cup and seal off that hole, but that's not life. That's not real life. Real right. life is always having a hole at the bottom of that cup and your life's constantly being poured out, mm -hmm. especially as a worship leader. And so when you step into a weekend, if you're, if you're ignoring the emotional health of your life, eventually <laughs> you become completely empty right. and you've got nothing left and you hit rock bottom. Right. And when you hit rock bottom as a worship leader, everybody suffers. The church suffers, <clears throat> your team suffers. Uh, the, the whole idea of your church even flourishing on a weekend suffers. Right. Because you've got nothing to give. Right. Yeah. yeah it's funny because over the years as a worship leader, sometimes I, I look at some of the musicians on the stage and I think they're not, they're not plugged in. They're not, they're not with me right now. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> sometimes I'll attribute that to them just not caring. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it's not... It's not about them not caring. It's literally they're carrying something into the weekend yeah. <clears throat> or any worship event that I'm running that I may or may not be aware of. They may not even be aware of it. Right. And that's what's so important about, I think, the aspect of our emotional health as a worship leader. Right. Because, yeah, we're, we're obviously aware of what we're thinking about. 
but there's so often times when we're not aware of how it's affecting us. Right. And I just think going through an exercise where you can write down what's on your mind right now and asking God, how is that affecting me emotionally can really allow God to, to kind of step into your heart and go, you need to deal with this with me mm. you know, or you need to give this to me. Right. You know, something as simple as like, you know, not being able to make your bills or your car's broken down or one of your close family members is sick or you got bad news at work. I mean, th there's a whole host of things that were affecting us. Right. But when you step in as a worship leader and now you have a whole team around you, everyone's got that stuff. Yeah. And it's just a matter of creating space, I think, in conversation and go, what is really affecting us? Right. So that we can support each other. We can lean into each other. We can pray for each other. Yeah. And then we actually can see God work in our own individual lives mm -hmm. as we're facing those things on our list. Right. And so the exercise of the list wasn't necessarily to make a list to see things that you need to take off the list. Oh, no. It's no, more no. just to help you be aware yeah. of what is happening in your life. Yeah. Because I think for me, especially if I don't take time to, you know, just kind of look inward and go, what's happening to me emotionally, then I think I'm not really being honest with myself. Right. And so I have a hard time then leading and cultivating an emotion or stirring an emotion through music or any other art form that I'm using mm -hmm. if I'm not really being honest with myself and where I'm at. So for example, like if I, if I went into a weekend worship service and I was being really affected by what was happening in my community and I wasn't honest about that, then I might actually lead a congregation in a worship experience that was completely disconnected from what really is going on in the community. Right. So to be emotionally aware as a worship leader is, I think, vital to yeah. actually doing it well. Totally. <clears throat> I know yeah. for me, there's been times where, you know, I've been leading worship for the past 15 years or so. And there's been times where, you know, where you don't even really want to lead worship right. based on like maybe something that's going on in your life or, and you're just kind of like, man, singing these songs is maybe the last thing I'm wanting to do right now. <laughs> but I'm doing it because, well, it's yeah. my job. Yeah, right. And and you still kind of want to, but I don't know, but you still, you know, yeah, there's this emotional disconnect. Yes. And I do feel like though, the times that have been really meaningful, I think for me, or I guess impactful would be when I've just been honest and maybe mm -hmm. even like shared honestly with the congregation. <laughs> like, hey, you know, like this is kind of happening in my life right now. When I sing this lyric, you know, I'm, I'm really needing to say this, you know, yes. and, and just be honest and be real <clears throat> with people. Cause I think most people in a congregation can really, you know, meet you at that same place. Like they get it. They probably are also going through things. Or... Well, and I've also, I think congregations, they're, they're probably turned off by a lot of the performance side of worship leading yeah. these days. At least it feels that way to me. I think people are really looking for a true spirituality. They're looking for mm -hmm. people who are really upfront about their journey of faith and what they're, what they believe about God, how that's impacting their life. And as a worship leader, if, if you're emotionally aware of what's happening in your life and you can use it as a platform to lead and serve people in an experience of worship, they're going to follow you because they're not, they're not looking at someone who's fake. Right. They're looking at someone who they can trust. Yeah. And who can they, they can resonate with. Right. Yeah. He's a real person. He's real. And he's got real life stuff. Yeah. He's not just a dude up on the stage or a girl up on the stage who's a right. great musician and, and isn't accessible. Right, because chances are there's people standing there also thinking, I don't want to sing this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or I don't oh, yeah. I don't know if I really feel or like believe this right now. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing worship leader. You, you play this high energy, upbeat praise song about these unbelievable characteristics of God and how many times I look at people and they don't seem to be with me. <laughs> but I just, it's, I don't think it's, it's because they don't want to worship. I just think it's a process that I'm 
I'm allowed to take them through. You know what I'm saying? Right. And if I can be aware of what's happening in their life, what's happening in my life, then then I think I can do a better job of cultivating yep. a real authentic expression of worship yep. in that setting. And I think that's where the word leading comes into play and yeah. <laughs> leading worship. Like you're leading people through this journey. Yeah. You know, you're not up there just, you know, performing and singing songs and them watching. Right. Like the leading them and being, being real with them, being honest. And I, I think this topic is so important because I do think that the emotional health of worship leaders and pastors is like overlooked big time. <laughs> it's just like, there's a, there's this expectation of like, they need to get up on stage every week and perform well like you know lead yeah. us well you know give us a good sermon yes you know and like it's like well, wait what's actually really going on in that person's life and how are we caring for those people on our teams you know who are doing that with us so that's why i love this yeah somewhere along the line i i convinced myself that as long as i read the bible enough <clears throat> and as long as i kept took care of my physical body that i would be fine hmm. but somewhere I think I've discovered that if I'm not paying attention to the emotional side of my life and what that means in my relationship with God, then I'm really ignoring a very big piece of my life in terms of being healthy and being a leader and being able to help the people that are around me yeah. have a healthy experience too. Right. Yeah. We need to be protecting our hearts and what we're filling it with. Yes. Because we're filling it with all sorts of stuff. So a flourishing worship leader is <laughs> what you were... Yeah. You know, you were like, okay, we want we want to be flourishing as worship leaders. Yes. And I just, uh, I thought that was really cool. And you had a couple of different points through that of what a flourishing worship leader looks like. And I thought it'd be cool if you could take us through those. Yeah, it, it's basically three C's. <clears throat> and uh, the first one's character. And that's basically a flourishing worship leader has good character. It's a, it's a leader who worships with his heart, his mind, his soul, and his strength. And so there's mm. there's this genuineness about he or she that allows the worship leader to lead from a place of authenticity. And that kind of goes in with the list. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, and, and believe it or not, if you've got great character, someone's going to follow you. As soon as someone questions your character, they instantly are questioning whether or not they should follow you. Mm. I mean, you see that all over our culture, right? Right. right. These unbelievable leaders who have, have fantastic platforms and they have a character flaw and instantly following them is questioned. Yeah. So character is a huge piece of being a flourishing worship leader. Um, a character that loves Jesus and wants to follow after Jesus uh, is something that someone's going to follow. And when they see that, then that means uh, they can trust you. And trust is a big piece of leading people. Right. That's, yeah. that's really good. I see, I can think of many ways that you can kind of display that, you know, to your team and the people you're working with. I'm wondering how could a worship leader display or show good character, you know, on stage to all the people who are in the congregation, you know, cause there's not like you get to have coffee one-on-one -on -one with all those people. Right. You know, you just get on stage at the countdown, start the songs. That's right. <laughs> Do you have any ideas of like how a worship leader, I guess, how is a character judged in a way? I really value a lot collaboration. I think collaboration speaks volumes about the kind of worship leader that you are. If you're a worship leader that gets up there and sings every verse, every chorus of every song, every weekend, eventually they're going to get tired of your voice. They really will. Mm. But if you're someone who is willing to share the platform, to pass the baton, so to speak, to let others succeed while you're up there, then you're going to give the visual impression that it's not about you, but it's about the team. 
Right. And so I think collaboration is a very, very big piece of it. The other thing I would say is you don't have to lead every weekend. If you can create a system as a worship leader where you're inviting other worship leaders to join you and be a part of the experience at your church and it not be about you, you're going to begin to communicate that this isn't about you. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a lot about character. I think it says a lot about humility. It says a lot about how you view team. Uh, It says a lot about how you view the body of Christ. Uh, If you think your way of leading worship is the way for the church, (laughs) give it a few years and people will be pretty tired of you, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how much uh, character seeps out of. Like you can, (laughs) it actually can be identified in a lot of different ways. I think it takes time. You know, I think people over time see the kind of character you bring to the table. I also think that uh, your character shows itself when you exhort the congregation or talk to them, your transitions between songs. Mm the way you communicate to your congregation mm-hmm. is it is it dripping with empathy and compassion or does it have an edge or a or a <laughs> like or a manipula- shaming tone or, a, yeah. or i've got this figured out yeah. you need to catch up with me so to speak right i think the the distance between you and the congregation should be very very close yeah and as a worship leader the more distance you create with your congregation the less they're going to trust your character Right, And I mean, you look at Jesus and how he led the disciples, Mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't Jesus being distant. That was Jesus being very intimate and very close. Right. And you're already at a disadvantage because you're on a stage and you have lights and people are watching (laughs) you. I mean, that whole context already creates separation. Right. So as a worship leader, you've got to work super, super hard to break that distance down and to get people to buy into really what you're trying to cultivate anyway, that it's not about you. It's about yeah. God. It's about worshiping him. Yeah. And really, ultimately, everything you've created is for them anyway. Right. You know, I don't want them to come and watch me sing a song. I, I created the song so that you would sing it. Yeah, right. You know? And so over over time, if that, if those those types of words that you use are, are empathetic and they're compassionate and they're loving and they're true and they're, they're graceful, hmm. then folks are going to catch on to your character and they'll follow you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Yeah. All right. So the three C's of a flourishing <clears throat> worship leader. Yep. We've got character. Character, yep. And then what's next? Next one is uh, confidence. I love this idea that congregations are not idiots. <laughs> okay. They can smell when someone is nervous. They just sense it. It's in our human nature. We yeah. can tell when folks are comfortable and when they're anxious, when they're nervous and when they're confident. Right. And confidence is one of these things that I think takes a lot of self-awareness and it takes a lot of faith. Yeah. If I know my calling, if I know that I have been created to be a worship leader, I've got the ability to do what God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. Now I just need to walk confidently in it. People will follow that. Right. But if every weekend I get up there and there's this sense of timidity about me or this sense of anx- anxiousness mm-hmm. about what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, or even that I don't even really believe what I'm doing, people can sniff that out. Prime is the easiest way to run all of your multi-tracks and live performance. Download Prime from the App Store and browse our catalog of thousands of songs at loopcommunity.com. Prime has a full audio mixer, which allows you to adjust the volume, mute, and solo individual instruments in a song. Every song comes with a click and cue track, which will guide you through the song as you play. 
it's never been this easy to use multi-tracks and live performance. Download your copy of Prime today. Wow, I think this is actually a very common thing that people oh, I totally, struggle yeah. with. Oh yeah. And do you have any tips on like how like someone could overcome? Let's just say they are having like yeah, huge like nervous problems or you know, they're anxious about it or I know that sometimes worship leaders get really nervous when they have to speak. It's like they're fine with singing. But then the moment so that they have talk. To, the moment they have to like do like some sort of transition element. Right. Yeah. You know, and they start yeah. stumbling all over the words, like, yeah. please take the offering. I mean, sit down. I mean, stand up. No, no, greet your neighbors or whatever, you know? Yes. And you can tell, like, people get really nervous doing that. Like, yeah. So if someone, I think this is a common one. Um, and I think it does go, I honestly do think that what you said earlier, you already have a couple strikes against you and that you're on stage with lights on you. Everyone's watching you. Like, that yes. doesn't make it easy. Make it easier. No. Nope. Doesn't make it easier. No. Um, what about, what about you? Like, what do you... Yeah, so there's a few things. One one thing I, I don't think we do very well at all is evaluate. Mm. We don't take enough time to stop and look back and remember what we've done already. And so if we don't do a good job of that, how how can we improve what we're doing in front of us? Right. And so I think if if as a worship leader, you you take time to look at the video from the weekend before and you assess how you've done, you're going to start to see the little things that you do that that communicate a lack of confidence. Yes, right. Communicate nervousness, communicate tension. Because you'll notice it too. <laughs> oh, because you'll see it. Yeah. yeah. And and I know people hate watching themselves. They hate hearing themselves. Right. But I've come to enjoy it. Right. You know, I've come to enjoy watching myself on video. Right. Going, I cannot believe I'm still doing that. Right. And it's not watching yourself to admire yourself. It's watching to improve. Kind of like a football team would watch the game past team. game. I mean, they do it in sports all the time. Yeah. Right. Why would we not do this as worship leaders? Right. Um, and do it in community. Bring the other worship leaders around, and you mm-hmm. all watch it together. And if it, and if you've got a group of worship leaders, do it every week. Every week you're watching the video of another worship leader, or if you're in a multi-site context, get all the campus worship leaders together and watch the footage. Yeah. Evaluate each other, encourage each other. That's one way to to deal with it. Another thing, there's something that worship leaders do where we assume that we can handle the transitions without practicing them. Hmm. We're just gonna feel it out. We're just gonna sense. <laughs> what we should say when we should say it. Yeah. And I just think if you could write down that transition, yep. what you're doing is you're, you're isolating the main idea of the transition and you're giving yourself the ability to really think about what you want to say. Right. As a worship leader, I have very little time to speak because there are other people in the service that get to talk. Yep. And so I have to put a lot of stock and value in the words that I have. And if I don't take time to think through them, I'm really just not really taking a great, responsibility for the platform I'm given. Mm. So I would suggest writing it down, either put it on your phone or your iPad, on a little note card on your music stand, whatever the situation is for you, but write out your transition. So if you're going from song one to two and the transition is really about just turning our focus to God, write it down. Right. Um, that would be the second thing I would do. That's why I love run-throughs. Oh, run-throughs are great. Because yeah. you get to like run through the service as if it's an actual service. Yes. You know, you do it without stopping, say everything you're going to say, so that you can actually really see and feel how the service is going to go. Yes. And I, I think too, like you can, you can tell not just in the way a worship leader talks, but in the way the worship leader presents himself on the stage or herself on the stage. If he or she is awkward on the platform, people are going to see that. Mm-hmm. And so you have to practice. You have to rehearse. I, right. I, 
I can't tell you how many worship leaders walk into a weekend and they've spent very little time actually playing the worship songs they're leading. Right. And I just think that's such a disservice to your congregation. Right. You've got to spend time playing your music. You've got to know what key you're in. I mean, these are the basics, right? Know your key you're in, know your tempos, you know, know your, um, your key changes, know your progressions. Yep. Those simple things can make or break how confident you walk into a weekend. Right. And if I've spent the time preparing for all that, and suddenly a change happens last minute on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, I can weather that change because I've done all the prep work mm-hmm. and I can react to it without losing my confidence. Yep. And you, over time, you get better at this. More prepared you are, more confident you'll probably Without feel. a doubt. Yeah. So confidence is big. If you've got character and you've got confidence, people are going to want to follow you. Hmm. Yeah. So then what's the third? The third one's scene? chemistry. You can tell when a worship leader is up there with people supporting him versus a worship leader who's up there with his team and he's a part of the team. And I've, I've seen worship experiences where the band just looks like they're just playing music and they could care less who's in front of them because they don't feel connected. And you can tell the teams that actually have spent time together and are for each other because the communication happens on stage. You just see it. They're smiling at each other. <laughs> they're laughing before and after the service. Maybe you see them praying together before after service. They're having coffee together in the middle of the week. You can tell when a team's got chemistry. And when a team has chemistry and they're led by a, a worship leader who's got character and confidence, they that congregation is going to want to follow that team right. because they trust them. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, I, chemistry would be something that's like, he the worship leader works well with his team. He's not interested in the platform. He's interested in elevating those around him. Um, yeah, he's someone who people. helps the other others to flourish. Yeah. Wow. That's the chemistry piece. I don't think I ever want to be a worship leader who does it by myself. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy because I've been given opportunities to lead alone and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I would so much rather have at least one more person with me. It reminds me of that passage in, in uh, Ecclesiastes where it says two are better than one for there's more return work on their labor. Right. And it's this idea that, that we were made to do things together. This walk of faith, this journey that we're in is not meant to be done alone. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way as a worship leader. We shouldn't be doing this alone. Right. Yeah. And the, like the whole the whole side of it, like, well, we're paying you to be the worship leader, so you need to lead every weekend. No, 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 no. You're paying me to lead you in worship. And my values, if I'm going to lead you in worship, I'm going to lead you in a place that gets you beyond yourself. And the only way for me to lead you beyond yourself is for me to show it. So how do I lead from beyond myself? I bring other people with me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and empowering the people in your team Yeah. to do what God's created them to do. And Yeah. Yeah, the team mentality. I, I think yeah. that is... Man, that's so good. Yeah. So the three C's, flourishing worship leader, character, confidence, chemistry. Yes. And there's just this idea that if you are flourishing, then that means other worship leaders around you will also flourish. Yes. So not only the congregation will flourish in their worshiping, but the other people on your team, the other worship leaders on staff at your church, the other worship leaders in your community who are around you in your community with you, it will help them flourish as well. Yeah, and you can tell because your worship team will start declining your invitations. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I just mean like if you're not flourishing as a worship leader, the signs will show up. People don't want to play with you anymore. Play someone else or they'll wow. play another church. But if you're flourishing as a worship leader, people want to be on your team. They want to be on the schedule. And when they're not on the schedule, they go, hey, I haven't, I haven't played in a while. I really want to be, I want to come back. 
Yeah. Um, the people who are in the congregation go, I want to be a part of that. When, when you start seeing those signs, those are signs that you're flourishing, that your team is flourishing. Um, but, if, but if you find yourself struggling to fill gaps on your team, it could be a sign that, that maybe there's something else going on beyond the others on your team. Maybe it's wow. way more to do with your own character and your own confidence, your own wow. chemistry that you're allowing. As leaders, we're responsible for how we allow people to behave around us. And so much of that comes from yeah. having that inner character Wow, to recognize that a, it yourself. That's very interesting. I, I just, I don't think people <clears throat> want to be a part of something that's suffering. No one wants to be a part of a team that's failing, you know? And I, I feel mm. bad about the Chicago Bears right now, but there's your parallel. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like you, you just, you don't want to be in a, an environment that feels negative. And as a worship leader, if you're creating an atmosphere that's negative or the sense of failure or this idea that you're not good enough to be with me, that's never good because that never gives opportunity for people to grow and never gives people for opportunity to, to take a risk or to, to even reach beyond themselves as an artist. So to me, those are all short sell times that people either want to be on your team or they don't. And those are, you know, that, that helps you recognize for yourself. Am I really doing this? Well, I've, I've been really fortunate to be in churches where I've never had to ask twice for someone to play. When I ask someone to play, typically people have said, yeah, I'm all in. And I think that's a, that's a reflection of two things. It's a reflection of a healthy environment in your worship ministry. And it's a reflection of those artists themselves cultivating their own spiritual life. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it's both and. Yeah. But the worship leader has a very vital role in creating that environment for people to join the team and want to be a part of it. Right. And you know what's happening if people go, I haven't played in a while. When can I play again? That that yeah. should speak volumes to you as a worship leader. Yeah, you it means really you're doing a great job. You really can tell. Yeah. I can think of a, I visited a church where like, you know, they had to do set, like tons of services. And they're they're not paying their volunteers or anything, but the volunteers, they just loved being there. <laughs> they want to be there. And they like hung out like yeah. in between there was like a four hour break between one of the services and they all just stayed, stayed and hung there, out. Had lunch stuff, whatever, yeah. And they probably could have gone home and taken a nap or played sure. Xbox or whatever. Sure. But you could tell that like they just loved hanging out with each other. Yes. They loved being with each other and they would do whatever it took to accomplish the mission on the weekend together. Yep. And I thought that was really awesome. Yep. And that's definitely a flourishing worship ministry. Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So you kind of talked a little bit about, um, I remember in the meeting, you talked a little bit about how worship leaders are somewhat like a donkey, <laughs> which- it's The weirdest metaphor. Anybody ever. listening to this is probably like, where in the world is he going to go with this one? As were you guys when I brought it up. Yeah, right. <laughs> So I wonder if you could just share a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, metaphors are really good because they take two things that are not similar and they jam them together and it creates a picture that originally may never have been thought possible. But when you take these two ideas that are not related and you jam them together, that's where creativity happens, really. Right. And Jesus did that all the time. All the time. All the time. And so it's this idea of a worship leader being like a donkey. And it's kind of humorous. But as you spend time thinking about this metaphor, you begin to see a lot of the rich parallels that can really help worship leaders flourish. Uh, and it comes from the triumph of entry. And I, I got a lot of these metaphors from a buddy of mine out in California. And it's the simple idea that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the triumph of entry on a donkey. And there were some specifics about the donkey that we don't really pay attention to. 
But if we do, we we start to see some really good points and parallels for worship leaders. A, Jesus rode in on a donkey and the donkey had no name. Uh, B, the donkey itself was actually set apart uh, for Jesus to use. So Jesus actually called and said, I want this particular donkey so that I can ride in on the city. Right. Um, the donkey then just does what he's supposed to do. He brings Jesus into the city, right? Right. And when Jesus gets to the city, they're not worshiping the donkey, they're worshiping Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know? They're enamored by Jesus. They're not enamored by the donkey. Yeah. Uh, and then as you read the story, the donkey just slips into obscurity. He's gone. Like You don't know what happens to the donkey. You have no idea where he ended up. Um, and so the, a lot of those parallels to a worship leader in this way, um, your role as a worship leader is to bring Jesus to your congregation. It's simple, as simple as that. Right. You're creating space for people to engage a living God. Right. That has nothing to do with you. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we get to a point where we think it does, we've, we've hurt our role, really. Right, right. I mean, imagine if the donkey had a name. Just simply, you know, name, give a name to the donkey. Suddenly that donkey would be remembered for history as that name. Right. Right? Yeah. Thomas the donkey, the donkey have, or something. Right. The, no one remembers the donkey. In fact, no one's probably even thought about the donkey until they've listened to this right. podcast. Right. Um, so right, no but one, Mark no 11 actually him. talks about the donkey. Right. You know, no one, no one cares where that donkey came from, what farm it came from, who the farmer's owner was. And it's kind of like this as a worship leader. I don't care what degree you've had. I don't care who you've played with before you played on the weekend. Right. I, I don't care what your last name is. Uh, what I care about is whether or not you're going to bring me to a place to engage God. Mm-hmm. That's a massive role. And that, that's what the donkey did with Jesus. Right. He, he de- ushered Jesus right into the city. He delivered Jesus to the worshipers. That's right. Our job as worship leaders is simply to deliver our Messiah to them and then to disappear. And I think so many times as a worship leader, what I want so desperately is for people to show up and leave church going, wow, what a great God. Man, I just, God was here this weekend. Rather than going, Chad, you sounded great. Chad, I love that guitar part you played. What a great Oh man, your jeans were so cool. You know, whatever the, whatever the compliment is. Yeah. People weren't saying, wow, what an awesome looking donkey. No, 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 never, never. Right. Um, They were looking at Jesus. Yeah. Now here's what's also peculiar. The donkey was at the worship service. The donkey was at the celebration of Christ. He was present. And so I think there's value to that too, that as a worship leader, you need to be present in your congregation's worship expression. It's not enough just to create an experience and give it to them. You actually have to engage in it. You mm-hmm. have to be there with them. Right. And so when God moves in that weekend that you've planned, you have to be available to move with him and move with them. Um, right. Because in the end, it's really about them anyway. Um, you know, th- here's another piece of it. The donkey actually stepped on the branches that were laid down for the Messiah. It's not like, it's not like there were these, these things that were laid down for a king and Jesus said, let me get off the donkey because those, those, those things that were set apart for me are not intended for the donkey. It's quite the opposite. Right. Jesus actually got on the donkey and allowed the donkey to walk on these palm branches that are laid down on the ground. Yeah. As almost to say, you are welcome to, to go where I go. Yeah. You are welcome to be where I am. Right. Um, I have asked you to be a worship leader. I've called you to be a worship leader. So that confidence comes in. And now I'm asking you to walk where I've walked mm. and to go where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, because and you're allowed to be a part of the story. Yeah. You're allowed to be a part of the story. That's right. 
Um, and the other thing is this, he was center stage. Everyone was looking at Jesus and the donkey at the same time. Right. And I, th I think about us as worship leaders, a lot of times we're center stage, we're up front, and Jesus isn't physically present. So we're at a little bit of a disadvantage there. But I think the more that we lean into displaying Christ in the way that we lead, hmm. the less and less they're going to see you and the more and more they're going to see Jesus. Right. And that's what I want anyway. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's what I want anyway. That's what it's about. The other, the other part of this story is that this donkey was actually prophesied about way back in Zechariah. And so there's, there's also this prophetic calling that God has on worship leaders where he looks into the future and says, I want that person, that person, that person, and that person to lead my church in worship, to bring me to those people. And when as a worship leader, you, you lean into that confidence and you lean into that security that God has really ordained you to do this, this is not just for anyone to do, but this is for you to do, man, you can, you can do great things. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is that Jesus wants to be brought to his people by you. Right. That's the beautiful thing about it. It's not like he can do it without you. I mean, he could do it without you, but it's not like he, he wants that. He wants to actually be ushered by you. Right. What a humbling experience that is. It's so amazing. I love that story. Yeah, and just it's that, beautiful. that metaphor is just so, it's awesome because you can see those three C's all through there. All through that. And the other thing I would say this, and this is the last piece of it, the donkey did what the donkey was supposed to do. Hmm. He didn't do more than he should. He didn't do less than he should. He right. did exactly what he was created to do. Right. And on the weekends that I go in and I do more than I've been created to do, I suffer. Hmm. Either I've extended too far and I've taken the congregation to a place they shouldn't have gone or I've hurt myself. And if I do less than I should, then, I'm, then I've, I've done a disservice not only to myself, but to my church. Right. And so I think that there is a high value in leading worship in a way that says, I'm going to lead based on what I've been created to do. So if you're a piano player and a vocalist, you lead from piano and vocal. You know, I think there's room to grow and to try new things, but ultimately be who you are <laughs> and do what you've been designed to do. Right. Don't try to be like everybody else. Right. I, I just think we, as worship leaders, we get in this pitfall so much because we are trying to emulate and be like some other worship leader that's, that <laughs> seems to be doing it so much better than us. Yeah. When they realize that has nothing to do with it. Right. You know, it has everything to do with where God has put you now. Yeah. Just be who you are. Be, be who, who God are. made you to that's be. That's right. And if you've got great character and you've got great confidence and you're building chemistry with your team, you're going to do, you're going to be doing that. You're going to be functioning in that. Yeah. And then it has less to do with showing up and being a showman. It has less to do with the music you're playing. It has so much more to do with worshiping the God that we're there for anyway. Yeah. Wow. And then, you know, of course, the donkey just disappears. And um, there's that Monday morning hole as a worship leader where you get up on Monday and you go, okay, next week's coming again. And I, I have to put the weekend behind me and move on to the next one. And, and I don't think anyone wakes up on Monday and goes, man, it was so great to see Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. But I bet you... Yeah, I wonder what Chad's doing. Because <clears throat> yeah. yeah, what did happen to the donkey? It's right. never mentioned again. Never mentioned again. And and how many times people go, what is it you do during the week? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit okay with that because I it's not about me anyway. Mm. And so um, I don't need people to know what I'm working on in the middle of the week. Um, right. What I need people to do is to buy in and to really lean into this God that I know loves me very much and loves them very much. Yeah. 
Uh, and if every weekend I'm taking them to that place, then it's a matter of just letting go. And like the donkey did, he just brought Jesus to the, to the city and disappears. Wow. It's beautiful. It is. Absolutely beautiful. So worship leaders, be a donkey. Yeah, man. Be a donkey. Just be a donkey now, delivering will, Jesus this. to people. And this is, the, this is the tension of a metaphor. Because metaphors are not, they're limited in their expression and their understanding. I think worship leaders need to be known. I think people want to follow people they know. And while I'm advocating for it not being about us, I think there's value in being a worship leader who is approachable and who is visible and who doesn't come on the stage and then go backstage. And after the service, you can't find him or her. Right. You know, when he or she's leading worship, there should be this sense that I've, I'm here, I'm with you. Let's do worship. And when worship's over, I'm still here. I'm still accessible. And during the week, you can call me on the phone. You can send me a text message. You can send me an email and I will get back to you Yeah. because I'm approachable and I'm visible. Right. And so I think that's where the donkey metaphor kind of breaks down yep. is that, is that I, I want people to feel like I'm not in this for the music and the show. Yeah. I'm so much more in this to, to engage with them and engage our God together and grow together. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I've got to be present. I've got yeah. to be visible. Maybe the donkey was well known in the town as Maybe. a uh, <laughs> trustworthy carrier Maybe. source or something. Maybe. You know, one thing I like about the metaphor is that um, the donkey had never been used before. Oh, there was right. a, it does say that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does say that. And, and it, so there's this sense of sacredness to the role. Uh, it was a cult, right? Didn't it say it was like a baby a donkey? Or yeah, yeah. It was, young. So it's, young, it's this young cult, you know? And when you go back to the Old Testament, you look at Old Testament worship and you look at the animals that were sacrificed, they were pure, they were spotless, right? Mm. What is Jesus? He is the pure spotless lamb. There's this sense that who you are as a worship leader is sacred. And you should never question that. When God speaks to you, and he tells you that he wants you to be a worship leader and lead your church, there's a holiness to that. And you should never question it because it's the living God speaking to you. Right. And the times in my life where, I've, where I have questioned that, God has so graciously and lovingly brought people in my life to speak right back to me and go, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Um, many people don't know this, but I used to be an architect. I went to school for architecture. And shortly after I graduated school, I had a full-time job and um, ended up moving across the country to take on an architectural project job. And so I was a project manager for almost two years. And during those two years, I went through an unbelievable questioning of whether or not I was going to do local church ministry again. Almost to the point where I had, I had taken steps to get an entirely different degree. And I remember one day coming home and telling my awesome wife that I was thinking about not going into worship ministry anymore, but I was thinking about becoming a project manager. And she looked at me square in the face and she said, are you sure that's what God wants you to do? I mean, you talk about grace. Mm -hmm. You talk about mercy and love being, being spoken right at me through my wife, right. my, my teammate. And um, it's, just a, it's just an awesome reminder that when God speaks to you and he calls you to lead worship, you lean into that as much as you can because it's something that God's ordained. You know, it's something that he's spoken to you about. I imagine if the disciples went and got the donkey, the donkey wouldn't go. <laughs> there's nothing in the story about that, the stubborn donkey, right? He just did it. Mm. And, and I think there's so much value to that. So, that is. Oh, yeah. man. This is good stuff. Thank yeah. you so much for 
for sharing all that with us. And yeah, man. I know it's going to bless a lot of the worship leaders for listening so. to this. And yeah, I hope so. I just really appreciate your heart to pour into worship leaders. Thanks, man. And into your team. I mean, I've seen firsthand you just lead your team so well and like they feel very loved and cared for. And it's not just like, hey, get your own time and hit accept on planning center. <laughs> no. But it's like, how are you doing? Like, yeah. how, how's your life? Like, what? Yeah. You texted me this morning and we're like, how are you feeling after the weekend? I know it's exhausting. Mm hmm. It is. And that's... Because I'm mean, feeling it too. Right. And that is, you know, that's a worship pastor who really cares for his people. Thanks, man. And uh, that's awesome. And I think it's just really important. This is going to be a great reminder for worship leaders to really just be focusing on these things so that you're flourishing in what you're doing. So yeah. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. What's up, community? This is Jansen. Hey, this is Matt McCoy, and this is the part of the podcast where we answer your questions. It's mailbag time. Mailbag time. Our first question, Jansen, you want to take that? Totally. Our first question comes from Samantha of Asheville, North Carolina. Samantha says, my church has a small budget for our worship team, and I want to start using tracks, but I don't know what equipment to get. So what are the essentials? Well, we came to the right place. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. We, we actually get this uh, from time to time pretty often. And uh, so if you're not used to using things like inner monitors, you just have these speakers on stage that play the music back so the band can hear themselves. The simplest way to do this is with a free app called Prime. This is an app that we've developed. Uh, it's really great. It works for iPhone, iPad, and now it works for your MacBook, if you have a MacBook. Uh, so you just download the free app. And uh, we also sell a $20 split cable that's on our website, and it gets the audio from your device to the system in your church. And if you don't have inner monitors, but you have, you know, uh, you want to just get that implemented, we suggest that you just get the drummer on a click. Like if you can get your band playing to a click, that is the greatest thing. So you can have a little mixer board. Uh, and just have the audio go from your device to the mixer so your drummer can hear it, and then the band plays along to the drummer. And that's really cheap. You know, your the app is free. You already have your device, and then you may just need an audio cable, and that's it. Awesome. awesome. That, that's it? That easy? That is the magic. That's how you make the magic happen. That's awesome. <laughs> so question number two that we got from Jonathan and Charlotte, he says, how often should I introduce new songs to my church? Wow. That's, that's a, a good, good question, question, right? Yeah, that is a good question. I understand the temptation to want to introduce new songs, you know, because you hear a new song on an album and you're like, oh, I love this. And because I love it, everyone in my church will probably also love it. And they're going to be blown away by this song. Right. And there's a temptation to teach it right away. But there is a hard thing in that, you know, when you're leading worship, the point of leading worship is that everybody is joining in together with you and singing with you and that you're not just performing and singing to them. I don't know, Jason, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, but I know that for, uh, for me, what has worked in the past is like maybe when you have a new song that you want to introduce, you play it, you know, maybe during the offering or during like a special music moment. Totally. Not all churches have that, but, you know, maybe if your church has a moment as the offering is being passed around that you can play the new song, you know, and people are kind of just listening and enjoying. Um, it also gives you a good way to see if people like it. You know, you can yeah. kind of tell when you're looking out, you can kind of look in people's faces and see like, oh yeah, people are getting this. They want to sing along response. or yeah. they stand and sing with you. Totally. And that can give you a way to easily introduce it to them. 
but also know whether or not <laughs> you should bring it back or not. Yeah, I've definitely been in that situation where it's like, I am on top of the world with a song, and then all of a sudden I introduce it, and it just doesn't go. It just kind of falls flat yeah. on its face. And other times it's been really, really great. Right. I don't know. I would guess that maybe a rule of thumb is kind of like like more than one new song a month. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good rule to have um, anywhere from seven, 60 to 70 songs in your current repertoire, meaning you do the same 60 or 70 songs for a good season at least. For like a year or what? Yeah, I would say for at least six months. And then after that, you can change it. Uh, so as in the good times to change these, right, are like different seasons. So as the spring comes or the fall comes and the school year starts, you can change these songs. Roll some out, roll some new ones in. Totally, yeah, you can... You can, you know, some of the older songs like Mighty to Save, if you're still doing that one, that might be an older one. Right. And you can always go back and visit those, right? So you may have 500 songs in your database, but, you know, roll through those 60. And yeah. that helps the church really get solidified on knowing those songs. It helps them feel like they can get involved. They know it. Yeah. And then, you know, like you said earlier, I think maybe, uh, you know, what, what if you just get a song and you teach it to your congregation for that month? So every week yeah. you do it and just kind of, you know, in, integrate right. that. Another trick to teaching your congregation a new song would be to actually slip the song into the walk-in and walk-out music. Oh, that's a good idea. So that even, and you just start playing it maybe for a couple of weeks before you actually play it in the worship set. Yeah. So that people kind of, by the time that you actually play it in a set, people are like, oh, this sounds familiar. I've heard this before. And they don't really even realize where they've heard it. Right. But it's in the, you know, when they're in the bathroom, they hear the music play. Right. There's a large percentage of churches that listen to Christian radio. Uh, and what we're seeing in the trend, at least I've seen this, is more and more worship music is starting to kind of bleed into the radio. So it's not just like CCM stuff, but you're seeing like Chris Tomlin's song or Bethel's music or whatever in there. So I think that they're probably used to hearing that song. They may have already heard it. So if you use that technique, yep. it, oh, I've heard this before in the car. So it kind of makes a connection. Yep. Another idea would be, you know, when you introduce a new song to maybe even just teach them the chorus. You know, yeah. don't don't kick the band off right away with the whole right. arrangement, but be like, hey, we're going to teach you a new song yep. this morning. And you just sing it on acoustic guitar. Right. Just to get people, you know, they know that it's a new song and they can learn it and start singing along. So that's a great question. Thank you, Jonathan. You guys, if you have any other questions, we are here to answer them. You can email us always at podcast at loopcommunity.com. We want to hear from you. See you guys. This is Community Talk. Come on. That's an awesome interview. So good. I mean, I feel like Chad has so much. We could have kept talking for another like half hour, hour and gotten so much more information. I just like, I thought, you know what? We need to have him on again because there's so much that he has to share just for the local worship leader. Yeah. (laughs) Why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, it kind of just refocuses you on what matters. Right. He... Like you said right before the interview, like nuggets of wisdom, there were so many. And he thinks he thinks for other people. He wants other people to be included and he wants other people to be fed and learn from them, which yeah. I really liked. And he, yeah, he had just a genuineness about him. I, I love that about Chad is that like he really just wants other people to, to succeed. He does. Like there's some, you get this vibe sometimes from some worship guys who are like, it's kind of about them mm-hmm. and like that they're the ones that are wanting to succeed and everybody else is. I've actually heard Chad say like, you know, we don't want everyone in our band and our team to feel like they're supporting us, <laughs> you know, that they're yeah. supporting the worship leader, but that we're all in this together, that we're doing it together and that he he is like that. He, he is like, he's all about the team 
and letting other people succeed. For sure. Yeah, I love what he talked about at the beginning when you said you went to a coffee shop and he met with the worship leaders. Like, that's an extra thing. That's not like a mandatory thing. And right. when you see the leaders step out of what they have to do right. and do stuff for you, that's always really helpful and can bring a team together and shows that they care. Mm-hmm. Right. What, what things stuck out to you in the podcast? Yeah, he talked a lot about being fed. And I think that's important, whether you're a worship leader or you run sound or wherever you're serving in ministry, if you're not being fed by the Lord yourself and spending quality personal time with him, as well as like focusing on where you're at emotionally, Chad talked a lot about that and um, really taking time for yourself. If you're not feeding yourself and being fed, you're going to dry up pretty quick and then you can't feed other people. And it's really hard to lead other people if you're not feeding yourself first. Yep. You can burn out really fast. Yeah. I know I've had seasons where it's been like that, where, you know, I'm leading, you know, three services on a weekend, four Mm -hmm. services on a weekend at some churches. Right. And you can like, if you're not feeding yourself at all, you can just start getting up there just out of routine, almost like robotic, like, Mm-hmm. And you just kind of go through the motions, but what ends up happening is you're totally dry and depleted and you can't continue. Like, that's not right. a long-term plan. And it'll also make you hate what you do. Like, exactly. I remember a time in college where I took on a bunch of extra ministry tasks um, for a group I was with and it started out great. And then I stopped being fed myself. And after a while I approached a leader and I was like, I need to quit. Like I need to be done. And he talked to me more about it and we figured out it wasn't that I had too much. It was that I was treating it like a job and wasn't feeding myself and wasn't realizing what I was doing was for God and right. the heart behind it. So and I think that's another big principle that he talked about too was an easy way to burn out is when you are trying to be the superhero in mm-hmm. the story yeah, and you're not a team player or you're not letting other people succeed in what they're doing. So like if you insist on doing everything, that's a for sure sign you're going to burn out eventually. Right. And that doesn't really work for the longevity of the rest of your team. Mm-hmm. So then it's really messed up because now you've burned out and your team maybe doesn't feel like they have the uh, permission to lead and step right. up and lead. And then they're going to burn out and they're and not going to want to do it. He talked about how you'll notice that people will start to not want to be a part of your team. You'll ask them to lead and they'll be like, no. That's okay. But when they see that you care and you pour into them, they're going to be like, hey, I'd love to lead this weekend and next weekend. Right. And it continues. It builds off of it. Right, right. Um, it's a lot. And about so I think chemistry. practically for a worship leader, and, and I think what's also interesting about this is a lot of it doesn't have to do just with worship leading. Right. I mean, this could be serving in church, right? Because right. like, I mean, you greeted me at church this past week. Yeah. So I think it goes into any sort of volunteering serving role at a church. But I think when you think about it from a worship leader's perspective... An example of that might be, you know, you've got a five song worship set and you've got a couple vocalists up on stage with you. And some worship leaders, I think there's a temptation just for the worship leader to sing everything. Right. For a practical example, for a worship leader, it'd be like, you know, maybe you're a worship leader, you've got a five song set and maybe you have two vocalists on stage. Well, sometimes there's this temptation for the worship leader just to lead all five songs. Right. And then you've got two vocalists that aren't aren't leading anything. Yeah. But then you burn out, you know, because after three services, you're super tired. And you also didn't really pour into your team and let them kind of step up and take a leadership role. And so I think an example here would be, you know, maybe let someone else on your team sing one of the songs, you know, rotate the songs. I know with Chad, when I've led at Christ Church, 
he and I have led together a few times and he, he and I will kind of tag team the set. And that's actually like such a fun way to lead. Yeah, and it's not sure. all about just one person at all, but it's also like just a really, I don't know, it brings just a real life to the whole atmosphere mm-hmm. of just like sharing it. Yeah, he also talked about letting like somebody else lead for a week and take a week off and they'll run with that responsibility a lot of times instead right. of being afraid that I have to do it every single week. And he said, your church may push back on that a little bit, but explain to them like, if you want me to lead worship, I need to lead this team and right. give them responsibility to lead without me one week. Right. And that'll help you feed yourself and not burn out and also help your team take a new grasp on their role. Yeah. I will submit this challenge to any worship leader listening. Try this sometime. Have someone else on your team lead for the weekend and don't be on stage, but instead just stand at the back and greet people as they walk in. And it'll be just a totally new experience for you. And it's really cool because you get to, one, just really have like a one-on-one connection with all the people walking in Mm -hmm. and get to meet them. It kind of like helps break down any sort of wall that there might be between the congregation and a stage, you know, because if you're on the stage all the time and people don't know you, like you haven't like met them. Right. It's like such a cool thing to do to be able to meet the people that are in the congregation that you're leading. And then at the same time, you're also giving the leadership reins over to another leader on your team. Yeah. Which is really special. That's a great idea. Do it. <laughs> do it. What else stood out? He talked about three C's of that. Yeah. So the three C's I thought were awesome. I thought was really cool what he said about character was that people with character are people that other people want to follow. Yes. People want to follow people with character. Right. And uh, along with that is, you know, just having strong faith. And then the next C was chemistry, which is, you know, empower other people on your team. Lead the team well. Like, do everything you can to develop and build chemistry on the team. And that takes work. It's it not, does. It doesn't always just come naturally. Like, you have to really work at that. And the other C was confidence. And uh, this one's a good one, especially for musicians. This can be a hard one. Yeah. Because people, you know, get stage fright or they get nervous about singing something. And, you know, people on your team, guys who are doing this, you know, full time, maybe don't experience that all the time. Right. But you have to remember that people on your team, maybe like your, your new keyboard player, or your new bass player, or your new vocalist that you auditioned last week and this is their first week, they probably are really experiencing trouble with confidence. Mm-hmm. And so just encouraging your, your team members to, you know, not have hesitation to, uh, you know, just be who they are. Yeah, I think confidence is important too because a lot of times you can compare yourself to others and then it actually makes you worse because you're comparing yourself and so you get nervous and your quality of your playing goes down and then people just think you didn't practice or you aren't like good and then your confidence lowers. So it kind of snowballs. So yeah, just as a leader of your team, you can really encourage people and if you see that somebody you're like you know how to play this part you're just nervous you're not bad um and so just encouraging your team and having confidence in them and having confidence in yourself is really important and that's going to build the chemistry right of your team and it translates from stage you really can tell when someone has confidence you can you can tell when there's chemistry Mm -hmm. character do you think you can tell that i think you I think you can because I think a good character person is going to try to do the other two. Right. I mean, you can definitely tell, of course, when they're not leading. Um, it may be a little harder, like, just if you're in the congregation to see someone and be like, oh, I wonder if they have good character. But if they're someone who is practicing and leading with confidence and the team seems to have good chemistry, then 
I feel like as a congregation member, you really can see the character in the team. Right. Yeah, those three C's are important for a flourishing worship leader. Yeah. I like what he talked at the end about the metaphor of the donkey. Yeah. And I think we should just go into that a little more because it's such an interesting thought when you read that story in the Bible, you don't think about the donkey. You kind of skim over the sentences about the donkey being a cult and why is that important? It's just a donkey. Right. Um, Jesus is what's important. And I think in that, that's what you have to do as a worship leader. You have to disappear, like he said, and bring Jesus to the people and not want anything for yourself in return. Right. I think I get hung up a lot when you serve or lead worship. I can get hung up on, okay, I'm doing these things for Jesus. I brought Jesus to people, but look, I did it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need you to tell me that I did anything for you, but I want you to know that I did it. Right. And that's not how we should think we should want to disappear and have the focus all be on Jesus. Jesus allowed me to bring him. He chose me to bring him in worship. Yeah. And that's so important. And that can change your whole aspect of your team when they think like that. Right. I I just think it's so cool, too, that God included the donkey in the story. Yeah. Because, like, that whole story in the Bible could have easily just left out the donkey part right. of it. Like, there was a whole part ahead of it explaining, like, where to go find the donkey and to get the donkey. and Right. And, like, that whole part could have been left out. You know, could have just said Jesus came into Jerusalem. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, but it's cool that God, like, even just included the donkey in the story because I think that's what he does with us. And that's such an awesome mm-hmm. thing is he even just lets us be a part of the story. Yeah. And it's not about us. And that's that's the thing too. Like when you're reading through the Bible and you get to those page after page after page of like, you know, all the names. Yeah. You know, this person's son is this person, this person, you know? And it's like, oh, such a, a bore to read that stuff. But when I read that, I'm always thinking, it's cool though that God like cared enough to like let those people be included. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. He did. Like, like they matter. Like they're part of the story. Yeah. And um, that's us. We get to be a part of God's story. But yeah, but it's not right. about us. Yeah, that was my favorite part about what he talked about. For sure. Let's be the donkey. Step out of the way. Don't bring the attention to ourselves. Don't do it. Just bring Jesus to the people. Yeah. And that's, man, I mean, <laughs> that's what a worship leader is supposed to do every single weekend. Bring Jesus to the people and your Disappear. Job's, yeah, and your job's done. So it's awesome, man. We've got some good interviews planned for 2018. We do. Good ones coming and, up. And uh, we always want to hear from you guys. So if you have any feedback, any questions any uh, good jokes, <laughs> send us an email to podcast at loopcommunity.com. It's been great, Derek. Yeah, it has. Chad was awesome. I'm glad we got to hear that. Let's hear more from him soon. Yep. See you guys later. See ya. Hey, you're still here? Go subscribe.